You're listening to the Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about Cathedral, like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearecathedral.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Eddie Tilly. So before I get into the message, I did want to kind of go back and just review the whole series we've been in and kind of give you a bird's eye view to kind of go back to the beginning and sort of tie all the different pieces together. And it just so happens that Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 through 15 tie that together really nicely. So this is verses 11 through 14. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. And their responsibility is to say this with me, equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord. What does that mean? Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. What does that mean? We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies that are clever sounding like, and sound like the truth. Now, if that sounds familiar to you, it's because it's the same as our theme verse that came out of Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, which was this. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. So again, in Ephesians, we see that that can happen very easily when we're immature. So when we're immature, it's very easy for us to be captured by these empty philosophies. But then we go to verse 15, and what verse 15 of Ephesians says is instead, instead of being immature, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. So that's what's been happening through this series, is we've had the truth being spoken in love. And of course, the truth is God's word. So that's why you have to have God's word. That's why we all have to agree that this is truth. Because if we're going to move from immaturity to maturity, we can't do that by changing truth along the way. Truth has to remain the same. And if truth remains the same, now I can grow from one place to another. So what's been happening in this series is Pastor Mike started it off and he said, look, mature thinking is that the family is God's institution. God designed a family. It has a plan and a purpose to accomplish his will on planet Earth. God specifically designed the family. Immature way of thinking is that the government and the culture own your family, that they dictate how your family will run and the way your family will go. And then Dr. Schultz came in and he said, look, you've got to learn how to see everything through the lens of the Bible. Everything that we do, everything that we hear, everything that we say needs to be interpreted again through this truth because this is truth. And then Pastor Luke came and he challenged us to take the ball. What did he mean? He meant this is a proactive growing process. To go from being immature to mature means we have to put our hands on the ball. We have to take charge of that. We have to take responsibility for our journey. But when you're immature, it can be so easy just to give somebody else the ball. Let the school raise my kids. Let the church teach my kids the things of faith. Well, they're there to support you in some instances. In some instances, they're working against you. But you have to take the ball and say, these children are my responsibility. 
And then Pastor Dave came along and he said, look, we have to base our life on the foundation of the rock of Christ and his word. That has to be our foundation. That has to be the solid footing. And again, if the word of God is truth, it never changes. And so this is the rock that we build our life on. Because if you don't, if you stay in that immature state, then it's like you're standing on sand. And one day you're thinking this way, and the next day you're thinking that way, and there's no firm and solid foundation. Now, I don't put those up there to say, hey, you're either immature or you're mature, because that's not the truth. The truth is, we all start over here, everybody. We all start at the immature place, and we're all, everybody, growing towards maturity if we will hear this truth that is spoken in love. And so as the truth has been spoken in love, a lot of us have come to an awareness of some heart changes, some life changes that we need to make. Does that make sense to everybody? Awesome. All right, let's pray and then we'll start the message. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to be together here this morning. And we do pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just come and that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And Lord, reveal the truth of your word, reveal the truth to us. Minister to our hearts, Father, give us wisdom and give us understanding this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So what happens when you hear the truth in love? Well, if you're like me, you become painfully aware of what I like to call the gap, which is you are here and then God's over here and then you're aware that there is a gap in between where your life is right now and where you know God would like for you to have it. Again, this is immaturity and maturity, right? We talked about where maturity is the full stature of Christ. So we're all moving towards becoming more Christ-like. And that's easier said than done because the thing about this gap is it just feels weird. The thing about this gap is we're all aware of it sort of subconsciously, unconsciously, but the odd thing is what we do with it. And I thought about this visual. I'm gonna get Evan to come out here and help me. Evan's my uh, tall uh, helper guy. Cause we about, to do, we about to do some tall stuff up in here. So, you know, we have this pyramid where everything's setting right on top of another. And that is, that's the firmest. I mean, that, there's no give, there's no budge. I can't go left and right. I mean, it is solid, but it's solid because there's no gap in here. Okay, but that's really not what's going on. The truth of the matter is, there is a little bit of a gap. Now, there's no gap between Jesus and the Bible, right? No gap there. That's solid. That's a firm foundation. There's no gap there, but there is a little bit of a gap between that Bible and me. And I was just, I was just thinking about this and looking at that. I said, you know, that I, I get that. Even when I don't understand what it is you mean by that, I get what that looks like. I get that feeling and that understanding. And I think this is kind of why when we do like Mother's Day services and Father's Day services, we have to be so careful that we don't say anything that speaks into what we know everybody is aware of. I don't think any dad comes in here jacked up that I'm the greatest dad in the world and just needs somebody to humble him a little bit. Same thing with moms. We all come in with this, this brokenness and this awareness that, yes, I would like to be here, but I'm very much aware that I'm not. And so the odd thing is, is, is to try to figure out what to do with it. Now, sometimes the gap is easy, right? I mean, sometimes you see it very easy. Somebody says something or does something and you lose your temper and you spout off at the mouth and immediately you're like, oh gosh, that was not good. Everybody just saw my gap. 
Everybody's looking at my gap. I just put it out there for everybody to see. You know, that's a piece of cake. And we can all see that, and those are things that we can work on. But it's more of the underlying thing that we don't see. It is that gap, that awareness that we all know that our lives aren't exactly where God would want them to be. But it's like we don't know what to do about it. And the way we're wired, we want to do something about it. So that's what we do. We do something about it. We work really, really hard. We get things for our kids. We, we, we substitute this sort of relationship thing where we're just sort of all relating together, stacked on top of each other with just things that we can stick in there to fill it up. I know I'm missing the mark as a husband here, but I'm going to do this. I know I'm missing the mark as, as a dad here, but I'm going to do this. So we're aware of when we miss it and then we try to do something to fix it. Now, this is a little unstable, but what's even a bigger problem than this is it's not just this gap. Because this gap really is about a relationship with God. So this gap really is about relating to God. And all of us, we have one relator, okay? You don't have a God relator and a spouse relator. So you can't really say, hey, me and my wife, we're tight, but me and God, eh. You know, the truth of the matter is you and your wife might be tight where you are right now in the state that you're in. But if you began to address this relationship between you and God, then you might be able to see that you're not quite as tight as you thought you were. Because the truth of the matter is, you know, when dad's got a gap, then there's another gap between the husband and the wife. And if there's a gap between the husband and the wife, guess what? Is there another gap? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Woo, baby. Yeah, you're right. I'm not afraid of heights. Don't worry. I'm good. I'm solid. If I fall, Evan will catch me. And we'll take him to the hospital and I'll keep going. <laughs> so this really is kind of more what family can feel like sometimes. And the more, the more you're aware of this gap and the more you try to control it, the more out of control it can get. And there's not a whole lot stable. Uh, it doesn't take much to rock the boat on that. So we're aware of it, but then what do you do to fix it? This is one of the hardest things to sort of talk about. This is one of the sort of the hardest things to kind of wrap your arms about, but it is very, very crucial. And what I know about a series like what we've been in is I know there's been a lot of light shining on some gaps. I know for all of us, we've just been seeing some areas where we are missing it or we have missed it and we need to be equipped to know what do I do with that? Well, what we're going to do with this right now is Evan's going to take that down <laughs> so I can continue on. Thank you, Evan. Y'all give Evan a hand as he takes that down. So does that make sense to you visually? Like, can you at least get on board with, yeah, I sense that and I feel that. When I say feel that, what I mean is that's not an emotional thing. I don't mean I emotionally feel that. It's, it's what I would call a spirit thing. It's like a knowing that you know that there's, there's more, right? It's like I'm here and I'm here right now, but I know that God has more for me and I'm trying to figure out how to, how to get that more, how to close that gap so that I'm closer. Here, I'm going to help you out. Evan, right there. You can, put, you can put the husband right on back on there. How to close that gap so that I can get closer. So let's look at what God says about that gap. 
This comes out of Romans chapter 5. And it says, God's truth, okay, God's truth, the Word of God was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. So this gap really is sin. When I use the word sin, a lot of people always think about something you're deliberately doing this bad. Sin is simply missing the mark. So however you know, far it is from where you are to where God wants you to be, that is a missing the mark. So that is sin. And this is how we reacted to it. But as people sinned more and more, oh, I'm sorry, I got off track. So that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, so the sin kept happening, but then God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So if I'm reading that right, the bigger that gap gets, the more God's grace increases. Is that what I'm reading? Is that what you're seeing? That's what I'm seeing. So you're like, wait a minute. Okay, wait, 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 wait. The gap gets bigger and God's grace gets bigger? Yeah, that's how it works according to God. Giving us right standing with God, that erases the gap and resulting in eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The whole, the whole thing with the gap and the reason that, that we have to look at it through the lens of sin and grace is because it's a heart issue. And so it's something that you can't fix by doing. Doing doesn't fix a heart issue. As a matter of fact, you can't fix it at all. There is nobody sitting in this room. There is nobody that has ever breathed a breath on planet Earth that can fix a heart other than Jesus Christ. You can't fix your own heart. You sure can't fix anybody else's heart. You for sure can't fix your kid's heart. Because we all have the same broken, sinful heart. We all have this issue of this gap in our relationship with God. But God has done something for it. And that is that through Jesus, he has given us grace to put us in right standing with himself. So that gap that we talked about, that sense of unease, a lot of times translates into us not feeling okay with God. Or feeling, more importantly, like God is not okay with us. And so we have to have something that rises above that, that gives us the power and the ability to maintain God is okay with me. God not only okay with me, unconditionally loved me and has erased that gap to give me the strength now to walk out this journey from immaturity to maturity, to allow God to change my heart because I can't change my heart. I stumbled across this in fuel a couple of weeks ago and it really helped them understand. So I'm going to give it to you guys and see if it helps you sort of understand this issue. The greatest, the biggest, a start here place we can all start as far as a gap between us and God is our salvation. It's that place where for me personally, I wasn't at the bottom of a barrel. My life wasn't horrible. I wasn't even looking for God and God found a way and arranged situations in my life to find me and he saved me. And he's done that for every one of you who have come to that place where you've put your faith in Christ. God has been at work the whole time in your life, arranging things to get you to a place. You may even be sitting in here this morning thinking that you just came to be a part of a water baptism not thinking that anything went beyond it. And maybe God had you here this morning just to hear this message so that you could hear how much he loves you, that he gave his son for you, that he died for you to put you in right standing with himself. And so this is the way our salvation is explained in Ephesians chapter two, verses uh, eight through 10. It says that for it, for it is by grace you have been saved through what? 
faith. So is that what we do? Do we do faith? Is faith our part? Well, nope, not exactly. Because he says, and this not from yourselves, it is the what? Gift of God, not by works. So there's nothing you can do, not by works. There is you doing anything has nothing to do with this gap between you and God, okay? So works have nothing to do with it so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus. Wait a minute, to do what? Good works. Didn't I just say good works aren't a part of it? But yet here it is. Good works are not a part of it, but good works are a part of it, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Here's, here's how that works. It's a math equation. I love math. Anybody here love math? Chris Profater sitting right over there. He loves math. Thank you, Chris. So that verse says that it is God's grace plus faith. Okay, so far in this equation, what role have we played? We have not played any role. We have not played any role at all. This, this equation, this is all who? God. This is all who? God. He said, I give you the grace. So I, I, I give the grace to erase the sin, to put you in right standing with me. And then I give you the ability to believe that. Because God wanted us in this position where we would understand that we are powerless to do anything about our lives and our broken condition. And he said, I want to come in in your state of powerlessness and I want to be the one that comes and does the impossible that comes and does the miraculous, that changes your life, that changes your heart. I'm not talking about your behavior. I'm talking about your heart. I'm thinking you literally think differently and feel differently and understand differently. And God says, I'm going to do all of that. And when you understand this, when you get a hold of the fact that you had nothing to do with your salvation other than saying, I will receive this free gift. When you get a hold of that, now, now, these good works happen. But these good works are like an act of worship. We're, we're not doing these good works to make up for something. We're not doing these good works to make up for a shortcoming or a shortfall. It's like when we fully understand the role that God played in our life and how he pursued us and was coming after us and gave his son for us, these good works here now become an act of worship that out of a thankful heart, and out of a desire not to do for God, but to give back to God. Now we do the good works that he prepared in advance for us to do. Where this gets tricky is that you and I have an enemy. And it's the same enemy that came to Adam and Eve in the garden. And this is what he does, and he always does this. The enemy always uses truth and tweaks it just a little bit. So he comes into this equation. He goes, you know what, this 100%, yes. God provides the grace, absolutely. But you, you've got it a little bit backwards, so I'm gonna fix it for you. Because yeah, God, God gives grace and he's got grace for your life, absolutely. But he expects you to do your part. I mean, what you think? God's just gonna do everything for you? I mean, he's gonna do his side, but hey, you need to, you need to do your thing. You need to straighten that life up, man. You need to quit drinking, quit smoking, quit. You need to quit. You need to do all that. You need to do your part so that now you've got a nice, good, strong faith. So now God does his part and you do your part and that results in your walk of faith. It's such a subtle, just little twist to the truth. But when you realize that when we do this, 
Now we are inserting ourselves into God's side of the equation. And it's like we're saying that we have something to offer in terms of changing our heart, which we don't. And it's not, I'm, nobody in this room is going around purposely going, you know what, I'm going to do something to take God's place. It's not, it is not that. It's this strange place where the enemy can use our strong desire to do something about that gap. And it's like he hijacks that good, honest desire. And instead of getting us to rest in what God has done, he gets us busy doing things. And this kind of good works here will wear you out. It wears you out. It's tiring. It is not life-giving. It takes life from you. But if you can keep this equation straight, and if you can keep everything on God's side of the equation, that the grace that he gives plus the faith that he gives equals good works, this good works is not work. It's not work because you're resting in this. When you're resting in this, it diminishes that gap. I'm not saying that you're ever going to get to where you never feel like there's a little bit of a gap there. But what I am going to say is this work here that Christ did on the cross is finished. It is a finished work. Your brokenness, your separation from God is done. Jesus Christ gave his life to mend and repair that and to do away with that gap forever for all eternity. He doesn't do away with it in the moment that you believe and then it begins to creep back. No, no, no. It is a done deal. And when you rest in this, this is why Jesus said, come to me, all you are heavy and weary and laden down and I will give you rest. Because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And it's this strange thing of now you find yourself in a place when you really settle that, when you really settle that God loves you, when you really settle that he loves you regardless of what you do, regardless of where you are right now, regardless of what's going on in your life, there is no crisis too big. There is no, there is no sin too big that God can't invade that with his love. And if you simply accept that gift, then the place you find yourself in is this very restful place where now God begins to change your heart. Does that make sense? Okay, so then how do you do that? How do you change your heart? Well, we're going to go to Paul because Paul understood this better than anybody. When that, when that equation was reversed and it was grace plus good works equals faith, Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, he would have been a candidate for that because before he had an encounter with Jesus, before he met Christ, he declared about himself. He said, I am, was the Pharisee of all Pharisees. And what he meant by that was, I know this book. I know the Old Testament. I know all the rules, all the regulations, all the ceremonies, all, all the stuff that needs to happen. I know it and I keep it better than anybody. And that was his mantra for life. And then he had an encounter with Christ. And through Christ, he realized that all that hard work that he said made him the Pharisee of all Pharisees, that he said made him right with God, he in and of himself admitted it never did fix that gap. Because what I came to realize after meeting Christ that all those good works that I was doing to prop myself up, to make myself look better, to make it appear to those around me that I had it all together. All of that is worth nothing compared 
to finding a place of rest in what Christ has done. So that is, that is Paul's stance. And so this is how he comes at it. This is out of Philippians chapter 3. He says, I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing, which is what? That full maturity in Christ, that full stature of Christ. That's what I'm going after, but I'm not there that. But I do amazing works. No, that's not what he said. But I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose for which Christ laid hold of me to make me his own. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus, and this is the point of the whole message. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. So if I could give you anything as a takeaway from those verses of the Bible and how to figure out what to do about this gap and how to figure out how to keep that straight because, because that's an everyday thing. You're, you don't ever get in a place to where you've got it all figured out. You don't ever get in a place to where you never struggle. You don't ever get in a place to where you're no longer immature, you are fully mature. We are all on a journey somewhere and we all need to be on that journey together. That is the power and the strength of the church. The church is called the body of Christ because God brings all these lives together in various states of brokenness and he all helps us take that journey together. So yes, you may be broken, but there's somebody else who's a little bit less broken than you. And they're not less broken than you. They've just been doing this longer and they've encountered the faithfulness of God longer and they can infuse joy and strength into you where maybe you are lacking. And that is the purpose of the church. It's not just to come and hear the messages on Sunday mornings, but it's to go beyond that and build relationships with people in the church and be real and be honest. I had a group with my leaders Friday night, we had dinner here at the church and, and these are my leaders that are like the top in, in every area of ministry that I'm a part of here at Cathedral. And we just had a small group time where I said, I just, I, no agenda. We're not talking about ministry tonight. We're not talking about goals. We're not talking about where we're headed next semester. I need to know how you're doing. Talk to me about you. And one by one, the level of sharing and the level of brokenness. But here was the really cool thing was they all had reached this place to where, yes, there was a lot of brokenness, but their faith, their understanding that they were not alone, that God, that Jesus is in that brokenness with them, that even when there are things going on that they don't understand and they can't make sense of, they know that they know that they know that God is in there with them. And then they're looking around the room and they say, I know that all of you are with me and I know that you're praying for me. And the encouragement that came out of that, that is the body of Christ. And so here's what I would say, if I could give you anything, we always joke, you know, everybody does messages a different way. And, and mine tend to be, you know, kind of more, more sort of big idea stuff. And, and uh, I'll joke around with Luke and Dave and we'll be like, okay, so what's the, what's the thing? What's the takeaway? Tell me what I need to do. We like to do, right? So give, give me the one, two, three. And I'm not good at the one, two, three, but I thought I can give you a one, two, three with this that I can promise you if you do it on a daily basis will absolutely change your life. And that is to take this whole thing of gap and let's make gap positive, okay? Let's make gap positive. We're gonna change gap from being this gap between us and God to be God awareness parenting. How about that? So we're gonna do God awareness parenting. What does that look like? Well, number one, it looks like we monitor our heart. You know your heart needs to be monitored? 
I'm looking at Bo Reeves in here. He's like, yes, it absolutely does. He's a heart surgeon, so he would, he would know that. But I'm talking about that heart that is, it's, it's your spirit. It's, it's, it's your heart that goes towards God. And, and every day, man, that thing just takes a beating. And every day when you wake up, there are just things happening. And, and we need to be aware of it and we need to monitor it. You know, and it's easy to monitor. Are you getting short? You know, do you find yourself in place where with people at work, you're getting short or with your own family, you're getting short? Are you getting sarcastic? Are you getting snarky? You know, do you need a little check? Pay attention to your heart because God doesn't want any, any of those things for us. But again, who can change the heart? Who? God, only God. So monitor your heart. Number two, two especially with your children, is to be aware of this, that rules without relationship breeds rebellion. So it can't just be about the rules in the home. It can't just be about legally and laying down the law. And let me say this about you and God. It can't just be about the rules of this word. There's a way that I can interact with God's word. It's all about the rules. It's all about what I should or should not be doing. It's kind of what I would call a head thing. And it's not a heart thing. And so God never meant for us to interact with this word, which he says is alive and living in a way that puts more rules and restrictions on us. This word is meant to reveal to us his heart towards us. And it was meant through that interaction of his heart to our heart that now our heart is changed to become more like his. But we have to go into it with that kind of thinking and engagement. It can't just be the perfunctory, I'm just going to sit and do this and check this off my list. It really has to be with an awareness that, man, you're about to sit down with Jesus. You're about to sit down with the alive and living Savior. He might have something he would like to say. And sometimes as you're reading the word, it jumps up off the page and he says it right through that word. And that word comes alive and you see it there. Sometimes it comes a little bit differently. And the third thing concerning parenting to do every day is try not to violate your child's heart. Now I say try because you probably will at some point in time. But this whole idea that I'm talking about is about these, these times that we have in our day that we set aside to spend with the only person who can change our heart with the only person that has the answers to these questions that are burning in our soul, to the only person who can repair the brokenness that's on the inside of us. We can't do it. I don't care how great your willpower is. I remember when Susan and I were dating, and, and, and y'all have heard my story before, so before I got saved, I was just a jack leg. I mean, jack leg of all jack legs. And, you know, she got tired of that after 10 years, and she told me to take a hike. And... Um, and that messed me up. That rocked my world because I, I was dumb, but I wasn't so dumb as not to realize I would never in my life find another woman like that, ever, ever. She was just too good. And so that made me aware that, Eddie, you need to change. You're so mean and angry and sarcastic. That is, and so I did. I changed, man. I turned the sweet on. I cranked the sweet up. I mean, cranked it up. Flowers every day, even sent her a gorilla gram at work. And the guy brought me back the picture and she was angry. She was mad. The guy said, why'd you do like, man, I, I don't know if I want to get back together with, I mean, she looks mad. I said, that's all right. She just told me to leave her alone and I'm not doing it. But all that wore off. All that wore off. You know, it worked for a little bit. We got back together. We dated. We even got married. We got married in April and by November, the sweep was gone. It was. 
Why? Because it, my heart wasn't changed. That was just me. Only God can change a heart. And, and, and you and I, we've got to start with Jesus. We've got to start with asking him into our heart. And then after that, we've got to have these moments on a daily basis where we interact with this word in a way that he can speak to our heart. So it's not just about reading the word and it's not just about being where you're supposed to be because it's the right thing to do. It's about truly listening for God to speak to your heart. Sometimes you just need to really hear that he loves you. Sometimes you just, you just need to hear that he really does hear your prayers. We say, God, how much longer do I have to pray for that? How much longer do I got to pray for my child? When are you going to get him? And sometimes you just need to hear him say, I've got him. I've got him. But I think for most of us, the reason we struggle so hard with our own parenting is that we don't take this time to allow our Heavenly Father to parent us and to speak to our hearts. Is in one of these times very much like this kind of an atmosphere and I was doing what I do on every morning which was just spending time with God and he brought this situation up to me that had happened many years before when one of our kids were in their teens and they and they just did something that just violated a lot of principles of our family and it was a discipline issue and but it was a little bit more than your normal discipline issue it needed to be handled um, a little bit more forcefully and aggressively and and I just thought you know it'd be a really good idea in the beginning just to really let them know how they had disappointed me and to really let them see the anger as to what they had done and the possible repercussions of it and I just really sort of just unleashed on them and then as the day went on you know thankfully through the grace of God my wife and I we spent enough time with them and and we journeyed through that whole thing and we spent time unpacking why it had happened and how it had happened and how did they get to the place where they made that decision and they did what they did and we just sort of unpacked that whole thing and if you were to look at the day as a whole you would say, man, that was a success. That worked. It really did. Until about five years later, when I'm in a moment like this, and my kids at college, and they're just rocking it, rocking it for Jesus, shining like a light, like you wouldn't believe, doing so good, being a light to people that don't even know Jesus, just loving the Lord and loving people. And I'm having one of those proud dad moments and reading the word and God spoke to me and said, you have violated her heart. And it sort of took me back for a minute. He said that, that little bit, that first little piece, when you unleashed, you violated that heart. He said, if you don't do something about that, the enemy right now is looking for the opportune time. And he's going to arrange some situations and some circumstances. And when those things happen, he's going to marry them to what you said and that wound in that heart. And it's going to take root. And that's on you. So I apologize to God. And then the next time I saw my daughter, we sat down and I said, babe, I said, do you remember? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I said, well, I need to apologize to you because, boy, I blew it. 
I had no right to unleash that anger on you like I did. I had no right to say those things. And again, these weren't like horrible words that were spoken. It was the, it was the spirit behind it. And I said, I need you to forgive me. And of course she said, I do. And I said, now beyond that, I said, I've got to lay my hands on you and pray for you because what I know is that the enemy's going to use that. And I don't ever want there to be any sense of distance between you and God because of me and something that I've said. And so I simply laid my hands on her and I prayed for her and I prayed that God would just, whatever was created there, whatever that wound was, that he now would heal it because only he can. My apology won't heal it. Her forgiveness won't heal it. It is only the power of God that is drawn in by that, by that obedience to apologize and drawn in by her obedience to forgive. And in that obedience, now God does what only he can do and he heals a heart. We can't do that. But he can. He can. The reason this is so important you know, there's so many things we can give you as parents. The three things, the 10 things, the 15 things, the seven ways, the 18 principles, all those different things that are all wonderful and it's all good to learn different things, but nothing can do what this does. Because at the end of the day, what we're all dealing with is our heart and other people's hearts and we all need the love of Jesus, the grace of Jesus, the mercy of God in our life to mend our hearts. So the reason for these times here is because everything that you're not as a parent, Jesus is. And he wants to give that to you. So wherever you fall short in your parenting, Jesus says, I have that for you. I want to give that to you. And in these moments, he does. We just have to show up. We just have to say yes. We have to give him permission and say, Lord, change my heart. Change my heart. Make me a better husband, a better father. Change my heart so that I can be better with those that you've blessed me with in my life. So why do we need these times? Because everything that you are not, Jesus is. Take a look at this video. God never calls you to your task as a parent without giving you what is necessary to do it. God never sends you as a parent without going with you. Here's what's really important to understand, vital to understand as a parent, that God doesn't call people to be parents because they're able, but because He is. He doesn't call you because you're wise, but because He is. He doesn't call you because you're faithful, but because He is. He doesn't call you because you're strong, but because He is. You see, He meets you by His grace. How important is that? You're gonna fail, but there's forgiveness for your failing. You're gonna be weak, but there's strength for those moments of weakness. You're gonna have times where you don't know what to do, but there's wisdom for those moments. Because as a parent, I love saying this, you're never left to your little package of resources because your Savior has invaded your parenting with His grace. His grace is your hope that allows you to own your weaknesses. It allows you to confess your failures. It allows you to admit 
moments when you've been foolish and not panic because God meets you in every moment of parenting by glorious, sufficient, tender, forgiving, transforming grace. As a parent myself, that gets me up in the morning. Amen. Amen. One more thing before you go. Would you just close your eyes for a moment and bow your heads? And I just, just aware that of a comment that I made early on, which was there may be some people in here that you find yourself here in church today and, and you've never really had a relationship with Jesus and you've never really invited him to come in and be a part of your life. And maybe through this service, you've realized he had you here today for a reason because you needed to hear a message of hope because you needed to hear God's heart towards you, which is a heart of a loving and caring and humble father who loves you exactly where you are and has no preconditions on his love. He simply offers you a free gift that if you will accept that gift and receive by the faith that he gives you this love and this grace and the mercy that he has for your life that you will forever be saved, that you will forever be now his child. And so if you're here this morning and you've never made that decision, uh, while everybody's eyes are closed and heads are bowed, I'm just going to ask if you would slip up your hand and just make eye contact with me real quick just so that I can acknowledge where you're at. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Up in the balcony, thank you. Just let me make eye contact with you and then you can put your hand back down. Anybody else? Anybody I didn't see, if I didn't make eye contact with you, just slip your hand up. Thank you, sir. Amen. We're going to pray this prayer. and we're, Everybody in the room, we're going to pray it together. But for those of you that raised your hand, this is going to be the day that Jesus Christ is going to invade your life with a life-changing, heart-changing love like you've never experienced before. Let's all pray this together. Father God, Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that he died on the cross for me to pay the price for my sin, to erase that gap between me and you. And now I receive that gift of grace. And I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. Would you applaud, stand to your feet as you do. Thank you guys so much. Well, I hope that helped you. I hope, I hope now you have that understanding of just doing that reset, man. Get that reset, dial it back up that God loves you right where you are. And hey, you're gonna mess up today. Just go ahead and take that. You're gonna mess up today, but tomorrow's a new. There's a reason the Bible says his mercies are brand new every day. Amen, amen. Lord bless you guys. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Cathedral Podcast. If you were encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.